0: back to another episode of the Mid American Bandwagon Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Thulin. Joined as usual by Zach Faldor. Zach, it's been it's been a fun week. Maybe not so much for the action side of things, but for March Madness, man. I I don't know about you, Zach. This is my first time betting and just being involved. Totally not just doing my bracket. And I'll admit, maybe I lost some money along the way, but it's been
1: one heck of a ride along the way. You know what? It's incredible. It just it's, it's funny how you throw a few dollars on a game and it makes that game so much more exciting. You know, <laughs> it's so it's so true. But uh, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. A lot of a lot of great basketball here over the last uh, the last week. It's too bad. There were no Mac teams left to uh, to represent. But I tell you what, some of these basketball games we've gotten over the last couple of days here. I mean, the, the, you know, the ending of that UCLA Alabama game in the Sweet 16 on uh, what was that Sunday night? um great I mean great ending to that game that UCLA Michigan game last night uh Gonzaga has looked great um I'm really looking forward to the final four here man
0: yeah I will too I I I will say I need UCLA to win so I can uh beat my brother in the bracket challenge that's all okay so I'm rooting for UCLA also um also um who's that commentator from UCLA that that I um bill walton bill walton shout out to
1: him yeah. he he called it before everybody he did yeah he did he, he you know he can be a little too much sometimes for me but he he was right about the pac 12 i was i'll be honest i was really pulling for oregon state uh here up until they they just got knocked out they were kind of like the cinderella story for me that, that i really enjoyed watching but uh no i think honestly at this point man i I'd love to see another upset here in the, in the final four, but I I don't see, I I think it's been a collision course between Baylor and Gonzaga this whole time. I think that's the matchup we all want to see.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, but um, now that Mac basically basketball season is over, we still
1: have, is it April 5th or 4th, the national championship? Uh, Good question. I believe it's next Monday. I think it's the 5th. April 5th is the championship. Yeah.
0: April 5th, but anyway, Maction's done with that, unfortunately, due to the loss of Ohio in the NCAA tournament, but Zach, we have a bunch of spring sports to go into, we have baseball, we have softball, we have volleyball, we have men's soccer, women's uh, soccer, to talk about five sports, all will talk about volleyball, is the only one I believe in its uh, postseason kind of things, conference tourney, but we'll just jump in, I guess, alphabetically with baseball, man. It's been it's been a fun ride. I've been I've been catching glimpses here and there, Zach. And man, the Max put on the show not only conference wise but non conference wise.
1: Yeah, you're you're not wrong about that at all, Sam. And uh, you know, catching everyone up here on on the baseball standings. You know, we're we're probably about a third of the of the way through through the season here. If you recall back uh, before the season started, we had talked a little bit about uh, you know Central Michigan being picked to to win the conference here. Um, this year, the, the Chippewas have actually gotten off to a, a little bit of a, of a, rocky start here. Just looking at the standings, they currently sit in sixth place in the conference, two and two in the conference, 10 and eight overall. They, uh, you know, if you look at the, you know, some of the stats here, they lead the conference in batting average at 289. So offensively, you know, I don't, I don't think offense is, has been the problem for the Chippewas, but you know, when you look at the defensive side of the ball, you know they're uh you know an ERA team ERA over four and um you know not not getting a lot of strikeouts not not doing much on that side of the fence so I think Central Michigan certainly not without you know not out of striking distance but they're a few games back right now it looks like you know Miami and Ball State Sam and even you know Bowling Green the three of them sitting at six and two in the conference all three tied uh, but Ball State you know twelve and nine overall six and two in the conference you mentioned um you know. You know, outside of, of the conference, some of the good work that they've done. You know, they opened the season uh, by splitting four games at Arizona down in Tucson. A couple weeks after that, they went down to Kentucky and took two out of three from the Wildcats on on their home diamond. So certainly uh, a promising start to the year for the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, and no doubt. And, and just for context on how well this season is going, not only for Ball State, but I'll use Ball State as an example. Last game, everything hit the fan around March when baseball season was underway. And just for reference, Ball State has played a total of 21 games. Last year they could only get through 60, and maybe that's different for other teams and whatnot. Maybe other teams got up to 20, wherever the case is. But we're on track to having a way longer season than we did um, the previous season. So shout out to them. But you mentioned um, Central Michigan, and I mentioned to you uh, briefly off air about Ohio, and I'm going to give a shout out to Ohio. Yes, their 3-5 and five record, 9-9 nine and nine record doesn't look amazing, but if you remember back to our episode when we talked about their coach leaving in place, and, and I had this thought kind of um, preparing for this uh, podcast episode, what universities should do like the MAC is have a head coach in waiting for any sport, whatever the case is if if you do really well, then you have a guy that could replace the guy that's getting attracted by d1 offers. If the do if the head coach currently is bad, you have a guy that can step in at least for the interim and do well provide some stability and i think that's what Ohio had going into the season. the head coach was comfortable with stepping in away and they fulfilled his role with the, the interim guys so that's just the the thought I had
1: on the season so far. Yeah no i i agree you Sam and, and I think it's a good point that you make and um yeah to refresh everyone's memory as 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 Sam referenced um this was a story we covered probably I don't know probably a month ago month and a half ago and and Craig Moore has stepped in as the interim head coach for uh, for the Bobcats here for this season now to your point Sam you know this is a guy that they had in the wings he's been on the staff for 9 years um, and, and, is you know, again, was just kind of the assistant head coach of the, that was able to kind of step up into the interim role here, um, just here in, in the last couple of months. And you look at the, the results for the Bobcats this year, and it's, you know, it seems like they are responding to Coach Moore and, and, and playing well for him. This is a team you know, as, as you mentioned, Sam, that, uh you know, they're sitting right there in the middle of the pack in the conference at three and five, obviously you're not, you know, you're not going to win the conference with a three and five record, but to be sitting there at three and five overall era, excuse me, three and five in the conference and nine and nine overall with, uh you know, you got some, some wins against good teams. I mean, Bowling Green tied at the top of the conference. You have uh, a win against them. You took uh, you split four games with Central Michigan just this past weekend, who, again, we've, we've talked about this is a team that was ranked in the top 50 of the preseason polls and, and you know, picked a, to win the MAC conference. So you split four games at home uh, w- with the, the team that was predicted to win the conference in the preseason. I, I think that's a, a pretty good building block for the team moving forward. Um, and, and, you know, another, one other thing that I wanted to point out here, Sam, as I take a look at the baseball standings here, um, you know, obviously Miami, Ball State, and Bowling Green, all three having very good years at the top of the conference. They were all picked towards the top of the conference. Very surprised to see Kent State in last place right now. One and three in the conference, eight and 11 overall. This is a team uh, and a program, obviously, that, you know, famously uh, went to, the, uh, went to the, the College World Series back in 2011. And uh, a team that, you know, they, you know, coming off of their, you know, their last full season, back in, uh, in in 2019, had themselves a, a pretty solid year. And, and this has been a good program. Just to see them sitting in last place right now, one-third of the way through this season, is uh, is an interesting thing to see for me.
0: Yeah, I, I will agree with you. I think if you don't know anything about college baseball or you're a very casual fan, I think one of the things that would surprise you is Kent State being last year, Craig to your point. And what I, I love to see in college baseball is – Normally, you see the, the Southern teams as the stereotype just having success in baseball. But when you see the, the Miami Redhawks of um, the northern half, ball states, Bowling Green um, having success, I, I think it provides um, just a s- sense of stability in the, the sport that you really haven't seen the past years, where it's really been that I believe I, I saw on the SEC baseball Instagram pages that they had like the top five national rank things and what other sport do you see that where yes in college football you obviously see the auburns the alabamas the georgias control the top 25 but all top five seeds so i know i saw ball state be able to get a win or two against kentucky and i've seen miami have some success so i'm just ready for some stability in the in the the sport because zach i don't know about you but for some reason I just
1: gravitate more
0: towards college baseball than I ever have
1: MLB. You know, I, I tend to agree with you there, Sam. And, um, you know, may, maybe that's just because I've grown up in Pittsburgh and the the pirates are just have been trash for most of my life. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you college baseball, especially like the college world series and, and the NCAA college baseball tournament, the way they do it with all of the different regionals and, you know, double elimination, three game series, all those, love all of that. Really, really incredible to watch. But I I also agree with what you're saying about that stereotype of the best teams being, you know, typically you think, you know, SEC, Pac-12, Southeast, West Coast, those are the teams that are going to dominate in college baseball. So anytime, you know, teams from the MAC can go out West or go down South and pick up some wins against the big boys, you always love to see that. And so, it's unfortunate that we didn't get to do too much. There there wasn't too much non-conference this year. You mentioned Ball State and Miami taking care of business a little bit. Would have liked to see some more MAC teams get those opportunities. But, you know, that's what the NCAA tournament's for. We'll, we'll see how that plays out and what happens come uh, come May and June.
0: Yeah, I agree. And um, let's just move on to the, the, the sport that is in the postseason. And we're going to talk about volleyball because – they released their volleyball championship, I believe, for both. Zach, you could correct me if I'm wrong, for both men and women, both um, the championship. But so, Zach, uh, take me through kind of the the introduction to the women women's and men's volleyball side of things.
1: So, um, there. So it, this is only women, Sam. This is oh, there's no. There's the, the MAC doesn't sponsor men's volleyball. That, that, that's can be a men's they, volleyball in the NCAA is a very confusing thing. I thought they did. Cause I know Ball State has a men's volleyball program. They, they, yeah, they do, but they're, they're in a different conference. Okay. Mac, yeah. 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 The Mac cool doesn't cool. have, the Mac doesn't sponsor men's volleyball. I think it's, it's like the middle America volleyball. I, I don't remember what the name of the conference mm. is, but um, but so as far as the women's volleyball goes here in the Mac. Um, so yes, as you, as you mentioned, Sam, the season um, has recently just, just come to a close here. Bowling Green, uh, the number one seed going into the so they do a four team conference tournament where the top two teams in each division um, make the make the make the finals. Bowling Green finishing this year with a 20 and one record. Uh, the Falcons finishing off strong. Um, and then Ohio coming in second in the eastern division with a 12 and second seven record. Western Michigan winning the western division with a 17 and four record. Central Michigan coming in at 11 and 11. In second place. And um, so it certainly seems as if the, uh, you know, Bowling Green and and Western Michigan kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the, uh, the the rest of the conference here. Something interesting that happened this year uh, in, in the uh, similar, similar to with basketball, right, where they said, you know, games are going to get canceled. So we're going to go by, uh, we're going to go by n- amount of conference wins as opposed to anything else. So because of that, Miami actually did get in uh, to the tournament as the four seed, as opposed to um, as opposed to Central Michigan. So we have Bowling Green, Ohio, Miami and Western Michigan in the uh, in the conference tournament semifinals here. Uh, that's actually taking place this weekend. So starting on Friday. Uh, We have the semifinals, the first seed Bowling Green taking on the four seed Miami and the second seed Western Michigan taking on the three seed Ohio. Like I said, Sam, uh, Bowling Green at 20 and one and Western Michigan at 17 and four. Um, They both seem to be kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the conference here. I wouldn't be surprised to see the two of them uh, go head to head for the for the title on Saturday afternoon.
0: I, I agree, and I remember last year um, Ball State managed to make a run through the tourney to make the NCAA tournament last year. They're only they're only doing the, the top four seeds this year, so that will be interesting to see how it switches up. And I think I, I think what would have been cool is to, if um, uh, Central Michigan would have been able to stick in it because you would have had two Ohio teams and two Michigan teams, and maybe they meet up in the – Either both Ohio teams, the Bowling Green and Ohio or Western Michigan, Central Michigan meet up in the the conference ter- or the conference championship, and they have some sort of rivalry there. I think that would have been fun to see. But yeah, I agree to your point. Bowling Green head and shoulders, as shown by the record, only having one loss on the season. Western Michigan seventeen and four. I don't. I I I think it would be. I think it would be easy to suggest Bowling Green, if they don't win, potentially sneak into the NCAA tournament, but as we've seen in basketball, the Mac's predominantly a one-bid sport, so if you're Bowling Green, like in the women's basketball, when you're one win away from going to the NCAA tournament, you just have to get it done and clinch your spot and just know you're heading into what would you even call a selection son? Like, I'm not sure what to even call it. That's for- a good
1: question. Yeah. Into the final selection. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's, but, but you're, to your point though, you're right. You're, you gotta be feeling pretty good. And, um, and, you know, th- when you, when you think about, we talked, just talked about, you know, with, with, uh, with Western Michigan and Bowling Green kind of being head and shoulders above the rest of the conference this year. Um, I th- that is reflected, I think in, in the postseason awards that were just recently announced where you have um, Coach uh, Daniela Tomich of Bowling Green gets Coach of the Year honors. Logan Case from Western Michigan gets Freshman of the Year. Rachel Bontrager from Western Michigan gets Player of the Year. And then um, Hannah Lobb from Bowling Green gets uh, Setter of the Year. So those four big main honors, uh, you know, f- for the entire conference, all four went to, you know, members of both Bowling Green and Western, uh, Western Michigan. And uh, Bontrager, again, with with, uh, the player of the year for for Western Michigan, really had an unbelievable season. First team All-Mac for the third year in a row. She was sixth in the entire country with 344 kills. Uh, 4.59 kills per set was first in the conference and 12th in the country. And then as far as Coach Tomich from uh, from Bowling Green, um, I mean, they've won – the Falcons in women's volleyball, excuse me, have become – quite a powerhouse. I mean, this is their third regular season championship in the MAC in the last four seasons. Um got the first seed in the tournament obviously. They also included this year in that 21 and record was an 18 game win streak. So, certainly a very very good year for uh for both Western Michigan and Bowling Green. Rounding out the uh the rest of those awards though, the only one I didn't mention there, uh defensive player of the year, uh Taylor Sheritz from uh from Akron and then your first team all MAC was Uh, so they do six members on the, on the all conference volleyball teams, Petra Androva from Bowling Green, Caitlin Mayer from Bowling Green, Frankie Streffling from Eastern Michigan, Rachel Bontrager from Western Michigan, Logan Case from Western Michigan, and Tia Jimmerson from Ohio. So two from Bowling Green and Western Michigan, each on that all Mac first team certainly seems like those are the two best programs we have this year in the, in the mid American conference, as far as volleyball goes. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think
0: the record, the stings are reflected in the first teams, like any sport, usually if you have a high record you're generally suggested to get more players on like the first team and whatnot I think what is interesting is they don't list the position by each player unlike in basketball so if you're a casual fan you just see Petra and Drova from Bowling Green and you're just love guessing what position you played so unless volleyball for some reason is a positionless sport which I know it's not I, I think I think it's kind of helpful for the conference that that's my only
1: suggestion to list the the position by each player. Yeah, I'm with you, and um that that is that is true. I'm I'm not sure how they break it down for Bowling Green. I I, I know I'm sure you know setter, uh, out, setter, outside hitter, back row stuff like that. libero. I don't know how they break it down for the first team here. I wish I knew more about it, but um certainly I, I regardless I think my main takeaways here. Though, are um, I, I think Bowling Green and, and Western Michigan really looking strong here going into the conference tournament. I'm excited. I'm actually, I, I'm gonna, I don't have anything going on really on Friday. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and try and watch those those semifinal games and see how these two teams look. Should should set up for for a good matchup on Saturday in the final.
0: Yeah, and, and transition in case um, you didn't know, they are Friday, April second. The semis, four thirty p.m. for the first matchup between Bowling Green, the first seed against. Number four, Miami, and match two is seven p.m. both on ESPN Plus. Number two, Western Michigan, taking on Ohio, th- um, Ohio. Number three, Ohio, and then Saturday, as you mentioned, is the championship. April third, championship match is five p.m. on ESPN Plus. Which I, I have a grievance with ESPN Plus because not everybody can can pay for it in one eye, and I and I can can't find the streams all the time. So like. I'm just basically in a place where I have to rely on the the box score and that doesn't really, I, I don't think that reflects on what actually happened in the game. So that's just my little grievance with uh, ESPN plus, but Zach, um, I don't know which uh, soccer you want to touch on first.
1: Let's, let's touch on uh, women's soccer first. Let's touch on women's soccer first. Yeah, no problem. So uh, yeah, women's soccer here. Um, we're, we're coming down. I, I should know how many games we have in a season, but I I, I, th- I want to say we're about halfway through here now. An interesting um, an interesting caveat here on this one: Bowling Green is sitting atop the Eastern Division at five and one. Now, with that said, they just earlier today uh, the the MAC put out an announcement that um, their their program was going to be put on pause. Their next three games have been postponed, so that would have been first um, Akron, April first, Buffalo, April fourth, Miami, April eighth. So um, Bowling Green sitting at five and one in the Eastern vision at the top of the conference uh, right now, they are going to be going on pause. Uh, second place there in the East is sitting is Buffalo at four, one, and one. Uh, you got Ball State at first place in the West at four, one, and one as well. And um, so, yeah, I think you got uh, Ball State, Buffalo, Bowling Green, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, all playing very well right now. I mean, Central Michigan and Eastern Michigan tied for second place in the West at four and two. Um, so th- those seem to be kind of your top five teams right now. Miami sitting at three and three. Uh, we got, you know, Akron and, and Northern Illinois and Toledo uh, struggling at the bottom. Akron at one, four and one, along with Toledo, Northern Illinois at one and five. Uh, Sam, it seems like uh, your your Cardinals are in a pretty good position here uh, moving into the second half of the season, sitting atop the West division.
0: Yeah, I've, I've loved seeing what we're, we've been doing this season from the Ball State uh, soccer Twitter account. It's It's been fun to watch. It's been fun to see how we're just, just beating um, most people except the one loss we had and the one tie we had against Western Michigan. But I, I would say I would say it's weird seeing women's soccer similar to a football schedule and having such a condensed schedule with I believe I, I counted that Ball State only has four more games, meaning they play 10 total games. So... Yeah, the, take it as you may, take it as you will. Will we actually know kind of who's the head and who's kind of the bottom seed by 10? Most likely, yes, but I think a full season gives you a full picture of the actual conference and kind of putting pu- putting teams where they actually are. Like we saw this past season with basketball having 20-something games. I, I always love to see a full season. Obviously, it couldn't, couldn't have happened this season with women's soccer, but... Hey, maybe next year but it's still been a lot of fun whether you're um whether you're Bowling Green Zach I'll admit Bowling Green's having one heck of a season women's basketball women's volleyball now women's soccer I mean the women's sports for Bowling Green are just killing
1: it so far yeah you're right about that and you you, you love to see it if you're a Falcons fan I think with with the disappointment from the men's basketball team this year it's nice to see that some of the teams on the women's side kind of picking up the slack for, for the Falcons. And, and yeah, as, as far as uh, the, the bowling green uh, the the women's soccer um team is going here, like you said, you know, they're, they're sitting atop that uh, top of the Eastern division five and one, you hate to see them, uh, you hate to see them kind of have to take a pause with with all of you know with the momentum that they have right now. I mean, this is a team right now that they are. I mean, they are they're outscoring people. They're scoring a lot of goals right now. I mean, this past Sunday, three nothing at Ohio. Week before that, five nothing versus Kent State. Earlier in the year, opening up the season against Toledo, five nothing there. They beat Saginaw Valley State eight to two. I mean, this is a team that can really put the ball in the back of the net, and so. You know, they've really got some momentum going here. And then now they have to get these next three games postponed. That's tough to see. Hopefully, they can take out a page out of the Ohio men's basketball playbook and that that won't affect them too much. And they can keep up the momentum after they come out of this pause. But um, you know, any that's just part of part of competing here in 2021. It seems like you got to be light on your feet and and accept that these these pauses might happen at some point. It'll be interesting to see how the Falcons are able to bounce back as of right now. Their uh, their 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 next game that's scheduled is April 11th on uh, Sunday, April 11th at Kent State. So that's uh what about two uh, two week and a half from now. So we'll see if uh, if the Falcons can get healthy before then and keep the momentum going.
0: Yeah, and and I will. Uh, I just lo- I just looked at the previous schedule, and then a normal schedule is about 19 games excluding. The um, conference tourney, yeah, that was that would have been the twentieth game for Ball State. So, yeah, normal uh, schedule is nineteen. They only got ten this game, but hey, it's better than nothing. I will say, Zach, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird l- looking back on baseball. I I should have brought this up in the baseball section. Seeing like it's it's a little bit different pace when you're used to seeing football, where you're going to like several different places at several different or so wait let me let me restart that that message in baseball you're seeing like a three-game series in one place you're used to in basketball seeing one person you, you take on that team then maybe either heading back home or going to a different place it's weird seeing series and I think I'm I think I'm getting used to and accustomed to this kind of series method where you're going to one place playing back-to-back games like we've seen in COVID had kind of had to do it's a little bit different pace. I, I kind of like it. I'm, I'm kind of getting used to it at the same time, but I think it's a little bit different approach and may, if they, if they were to potentially add it to other sports, I think it would be, it would add a nice, interesting kick to the, the sport.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. It adds it adds like it's like a nice, interesting, like scheduling quirk where it's like the schedule is not always going to be balanced where you get one at home and one away versus every team, but you got to adapt to that. And I, you know, I I agree with you. And I think, um, as you mentioned, you know, you've seen it here in, in, in soccer um with you know with Ball State and Central Michigan just playing twice at, you know at Ball State so yeah I don't know I it, w- it would be interesting to see if they adopt that for for next year in basketball or something like that just to, to mix it up a little bit because you're right it, it can create some interesting dynamics and um you know we'll, we'll see what they end up doing I, I wouldn't be surprised if next year or whenever things return to normal they go back to the old way but I I do enjoy, I do enjoy this. It adds a little bit of an extra uh, layer to the scheduling and how you prepare for these games. Yeah, I agree. And now moving
0: on to the men's side of the exec, another sport, another uh, Bowling Green team at the top. Bowling Green's just killing it for whatever reason. I don't know what, what they're putting in their cereals in the morning up in, <laughs> up in Bowling Green, but hey, they're having success. They're having fun. Um, uh, just a, a rundown of the standings Bowling Green at first, five and three overall, three and one in the Mac. West Virginia is five and two, three and two, and then rounding up the top three. Northern Illinois, four, five and one, three and three. This is one of the weird sports where you have affiliates come in rather than your normal Toledo's, Ball State's, Central Michigan. Though yeah. I think you only have what four of the six normal, um, uh, what would you even call it? Four like members full, and yeah
1: full members
0: i guess two affiliates with west virginia and siu edwardsville which is yeah. which is a different way four and four overall one and four for edwardsville um yeah yeah it's it's an interesting twist you have some affiliates instead of founding members but hey bowling greens found a way to win
1: yeah, they have. And, uh, you know, the, the Falcons, you know, I give them uh, give them credit for for starting the year strong. Like you said, five and three overall, a couple of nice um, non-conference victories where they they beat um, they beat Syracuse. They went on the road. They beat Dayton. They beat Xavier. So, they, you know, you had some nice uh, some nice wins and then a couple close losses to um, to teams that are, are ranked. I mean, you went on the road to Kentucky, who's ranked number seven. You lose that game one, nothing. At Marshall, who's ninth in the country, you lose that game one nothing, and then obviously perennial MAC powerhouse Akron, uh, you lose that game two nothing on the road. Obviously, you'd like to keep that a little bit closer, uh, but still, that's your only loss in the MAC thus far. You after that Akron game, they actually went on the road. I'm surprised to see this, but uh, Southern Illinois Edwardsville was actually ranked 25th at the time, which you wouldn't think, being that they're one and four in the conference and four and four in overall. But whenever Bowling Green went down and played them. Uh, they, they got the win there. So uh, yeah, a a nice start to the season for Bowling Green. When you look at Akron, you know, I think anytime we think about men's soccer in the MAC, Sam Akron is like the program. I think, you know, we've said it on this, uh, this, this podcast here before that, like the men's soccer program at Akron is like one of the premier programs of any sport in the Mac, you know, and um, you look at them right now, 3-1-1 3-1 one and 1 overall, 2-1 in the conference. Certainly I think probably not the uh not the the not the start that they would have, you know, based on their expectations, not the start that they would have wanted. But again, still 3-1 one and 1 overall, still ranked 19th in the country in the most recent top 25 uh, US coaches US soccer coaches poll. So, um I think Akron still plenty of time this season to kind of right the ship, not that there's anything wrong. They're still sitting at 19th. We'll see how they're able. They're able to uh, to continue to move forward through this season.
0: Yeah, uh, you make a um, interesting point about Akron, but I th- I think what I'm noticing going through the schedules and the standings is these programs have had some struggles with um with postponements and cancellations. I'm going through Akron. They've had four games postponed, one game canceled. West Virginia's had. One game canceled, two games postponed. Western Michigan's had two postponed. So I think unlike the um, other spring sports who, uh, I would argue, have gone more, more smoothly than the rest, I will say men's soccer seems to be having issues with COVID more so than I would say the women's or um, uh, baseball or volleyball has really you have you have um, less games, so it makes each game more impactful. But at the same time, you don't ever want a game canceled. But yeah, it's it just I've seen that trend um, that men's soccer seems to be having um, flare-ups here and there with um, COVID issues.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, like yeah, you're you're exactly right. Akron, West Virginia, just this past uh, Sunday uh, was postponed. And it looks like Akron's uh, next two games uh, are have been postponed. They were supposed to play Western Michigan today. That's been postponed, and then this Sunday against SIU Edwardsville. So, yeah, you're right. It appears that uh, you know men's soccer has has not been able to to avoid uh, the COVID postponements. And it looks like, um, yeah, the next couple games for, for Akron and for Bowling Green, both, it looks like they're, we're, they're dealing with some issues here. So, yeah, we'll see if they're able to get through this full season. And if not, um, I'm sure it'll, it'll be similar to basketball and, and football, where they'll figure out who, who wins the conference based on win percentages and stuff like that. We'll see. We're, we're almost at the end of this, uh, this pandemic, it seems like. So hopefully we can just get through this season and, and next year can hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be back to normal.
0: I uh, Zach, uh, before we move on to some kind of wrap-up basketball news, um, I I th- I think I'm 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 excited for the moment where a we don't have to mention the word COVID or coronavirus or <laughs> yeah. of the sort, and two we don't have to hear unless it's something out of the blue cancellation due to COVID issues within a program and the 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 the. the next three games has been postponed and cancellations i i honestly can't wait for that to happen because we were talking off air about uh vaccinations i know i i I believe indiana's march 31st which is what when we are recording started opening up their um vaccinations to i believe everybody over 18. So I know you mentioned it's not till probably probably uh what was it a few months from now or a few
1: I weeks? I think yeah, I think Pennsylvania we're looking. I think I can't remember if it's like March twelfth or March nineteenth, one of those Mondays in March where they're opening it up to the general public. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I, I, I meant I April. Went, sorry, April. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I get confused my days. It's weird. March is thirty one. <laughs> we just went for a month that had twenty eight days. But um. Okay. So. So, yeah, uh, after all that talk, uh, Zach, is there any final thoughts you have on the spring sports before we kind of uh, catch everybody up on the basketball news that has happened?
1: No, I, I don't think so. I, I do. I just I feel like I need to clarify, like, you know, just like everyone else here over the last couple months, you know, we've been so focused on basketball that we haven't been able to pay quite as much attention to some of these sports. So we're, we're getting caught up on these as much just as much as you guys are. We'll get more into the swing of all this stuff here over the next couple of weeks. And um, you know, obviously volleyball is going to be winding down, but you know, baseball, softball, all the, both soccers are still in the middle of things here. So we'll have plenty of time here the next couple months to kind of break this all down in a little bit more depth.
0: I, I will say one quick thing. I've had a couple of tangents. I will say people need to start reporting more on these other sports. I'm going to be frank. I think, I think I'm kind of frustrated. I don't know about you Zach, but with the little, news that comes out of each sport i i will say baseball probably gets the most attention out of all these sports if if you agree or disagree but i I would agree i think i think i'm just frustrated with i we were scrolling through the conference training i'm looking through um different sites and it's really hard to find news stories on these other sports i i don't know if you had the same take zach um i'm sorry what was
1: that i'm sorry sam what was the end of that uh, just just on the lack of reporting on the, the spring. Sports. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is. It's tough to find information on a lot of these uh, sports. I mean, baseball is not quite as bad, but yeah, like the volleyballs, is the soccer's uh, softball. It's 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 tough to, to find some of that. So I, I agree with you, Sam, There, there you would like to see a little bit more of a heightened level of coverage for some of these other oh,
0: sports. Sh- uh, sorry about that, folks. We actually forgot uh, softball. Uh, my bad. I, I misplaced. I, I, I moved on from baseball. I looked over softball into volleyball. But anyway, going into softball, we have two undefeated teams in conference so far. We have both Miami and Ball State sitting out of perfect. While Miami does have a lot more wins, 8-0, Ball State still has an undefeated record with 4-0. They're not undefeated overall. Uh, Miami 17-6, Ball State 10-9. But hey, a great season. I know I've seen, I've seen some highlights from these softball games. They've been they've been pretty fun to watch so far. I'm excited now that ball that basketball game is ended to kind of focus into more of these sports because I know uh so, softball especially in the MAC has produced some some great
1: things. Yeah, for sure. And I, I gotta be honest with you, Sam. I am very very impressed with uh, with what I have seen from the Miami RedHawks softball program right now through you know through uh what through 23 games, sitting at 17 and six overall. Not only are they eight and two in the MAC. Or I'm sorry, eight and 0 oh in the MAC, but nine and six in their non conference schedule. And you go through their non conference schedule here, Sam um, two games at Mississippi State, two games at Tennessee, which they split, two games at Georgia Tech, which they won both. A game at Georgia, Kennesaw State, Louisville. I mean, this is a team you beat. You beat Louisville. You beat uh, Georgia Tech twice. You beat. You split two games at Tennessee. Those are some heavy hitters in the women's softball world. You know, you go go down south in the SEC, ACC. So it seems to me um, like Miami has really started them started the season off on a really really strong note here. Doing really good in the non conference. You look at some of the 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 results from even in the conference. I mean. 15-0 15 nothing against Western Michigan, 10 nothing against Western Michigan, 9 nothing and 11-3, 8 nothing against Central Michigan. I mean, 15 to 2 against Eastern Kentucky just the other day. I mean, this is a team, they aren't just winning games. I mean, they are they are blowing people out in in the conference. So, I think right now to me, I know you you're saying that uh, you know, Ball State is also sitting there at 4 and 0. Kent State sitting there at 6 and 2. That's all well and good, but I the way I'm looking at this right now, and what I see, what they did in the non-conference schedule, especially, it seems to me like Miami right now is the team to beat in the conference.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and this is one of the the this is probably the only, I think one of the only sports where we, the, probably the only sport where we've talked about Bowling Green not sitting in the top three of of a sport, and I think this is the only women's sport. That they're not in the 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 top one or two that we've talked about this season. So, yeah, it's it's definitely shaking things up. You mentioned Miami's just impressive run. They just continue to show out. They're on an 11 game winning streak. Just just really impressive going top to bottom. You have Kent State. You also mentioned six and two. Ohio five and three. Toledo three and three. Um, all the way down to the lowest as Central Michigan two and six, four and fourteen. Chippewa fans, you don't have to. You don't want to hear that. It's unfortunate how this season has gone for them. But I will say, like baseball, softball has gone off with a hitch. Miami's played 23 games. Kent State's played 21. Ball State, 19. Toledo, 20, 22. So unlike men's soccer, softball, they've been able to power through it and not have have as many problems as we've seen
1: in um, soccer. Yeah, you're right. And and I think, you know, this is – you're seeing us – as a society in these sports, I mean, we're, we're, you know, figuring it out and, and figuring out how to get this testing in and, and get it all, you know, get everything done and, and squared away. And, um, you know, you look at, you, you know, you mentioned ball state uh, sitting, you know, they've had a couple of games postponed, but they're still sitting at four and zero in the conference and, and it's still plenty of time to, to hopefully make up some of those games if they should so choose. Um, and, you know, ball state, even though there are a couple games back of Miami still sitting undefeated and still in a really good position to catch them. If, if, uh, if, you know, if, if, if they can, and that I'm trying to look at their schedule here, it doesn't look like they have any games versus Miami until the end of April uh, double header on April 20th. So those uh, those games will certainly be hotly contested if the Cardinals to the Redhawks can both keep it up here over the next three weeks.
0: I, I think I saw on Twitter that Ball State softball tweeted that this is the best start. I could be wrong on this. This is the best start to conference play that Ball State has either had ever or for the past, like, 50 seasons. So, Ball State um, softball having themselves a season, are uh, probably not as good um, once they, they catch up to Miami, Ohio. I don't see them being undefeated. I don't, I don't think that they're as dominant as Miami in, in softball. But, hey, who knows? Anything can happen. They're only four games back, four games played. They could get uh, four easy wins. Up to 8-0 and catch up to Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio. But, um, yeah, Zach, is there anything else you want to talk about um, regarding the softball before we move on to the basketball news?
1: No, I think I'm good, man.
0: And moving on to basketball, again, sorry about that softball. I overlooked it. But, yeah, we covered that. And now, um, Akron fans, we, Zach, we mentioned Ohio needs to extend um, Jeb Bowles. They haven't done that yet. But Akron decided to lock up their main head coach through the twenty twenty six season.
1: Yeah, John Gross, who everyone knows, uh, used to be the coach at Ohio when when he led them on to the Sweet Sixteen back in twenty twelve. Then went to uh, Illinois. Akron and brought, Akron brought him back into the conference a couple years ago on uh, on in twenty seventeen. Um, after uh, get winning the the regular season championship uh, last year, um, they would have been the number one seed in the conference tournament went 24 and seven obviously followed that up with another great year this year where they made it to the semifinals of the conference tournament, uh, overall 70 and 49 at Akron 39 and 15 over the last two years, 26 and 10 in the Mac over the last two years, Sam, I I don't think this was a surprise to anybody. Um, as you mentioned, you know, when these Mac programs have a successful coach, it 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 makes sense to want to lock them up long term because you you figure that bigger programs are going to want to come and try and hire them away and persuade them away. Akron's trying to prevent that from happening. Akron, you know, going back to the Keith Danbrot days, Akron has been one of the best, most consistent, most successful programs in the MAC uh, for the last decade plus. And John Gross has really just continued that. I had they had another good year this year with Lauren Christian Jackson. Obviously, they're going to have to with some work to do. With, uh, with the possibility of having to replace him this offseason. But nonetheless, I don't think anybody at Akron is upset about this move. I think everyone wants John Gross to stay there for a long time.
0: Yeah, I, I think looking back on it now, and maybe at the time people were thinking of this, I think this is probably one of the best hires you could make um, in Akron's position. You get a guy like John Gross who has experience uh, postseason experience with Ohio, as you mentioned, you have a guy who's been able to get it done at the next, um, I would say, next level kind of with Illinois, who's had the Big Ten experience. So, not only can you combine the recruiting aspect with the, the winning aspect, the um, you combine that with the talent they had with Lauren Christian Jackson and self. And it's no wonder that they were 24 and 7 last year, had a great season this
1: past year where they were. Um, what was it? Third, right? Yeah, they were the three seed and they, uh, you know, they, they very easily could have beaten Buffalo in that in the semifinal to get to the the final in, in Cleveland a couple of weeks ago. They lost that semifinal game in overtime to the Bulls, but they were right there. You know, this is a team that talent wise, um, they were right there all season. And, and I think if he if John Gross can continue to recruit, um, can continue to recruit well, that I don't see this program going anywhere.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think John Gross is just the perfect fit for that program. He, Like I said, recruiting, um, he's been able to have postseason experience. He's been able to have that Big Ten experience to recruit guys. I think I think where they go from here is up. I think the only thing is um, bringing in the right people because you are going to miss a big leader who you could depend on 20-point-a-night score in Lauren Christian Jackson. How he feels that moving forward. We'll, we'll say a lot about the Akron men's basketball program because we know his talent level is through the roof, but yeah. can he, can he bring the guy in that's going to step up that's going to lead this team into the future? Cause we've seen what they did last year, 24 and seven. We didn't get to see the end of that season. They potentially could have been in the March Madness or they could potentially lost in their first matchup. Who knows? But the yeah. point is Akron had a great season. We see the potential he has with Akron, but yeah. Um, Yeah. um, Any final thoughts before we talk about the transfers?
1: No, I don't think so. I think I'm, I I do want to talk about these transfers because this, this transfer portal stuff recently has just been, been nuts to me. I've never seen anything like it with the amount of, you know, the amount of players going into the portal right now is is insane to me.
0: Yeah, I will. um, I should say potential basketball transfers because not any, I don't, I don't think anybody has transferred yet, but Anyway, we have a few uh, people entering the transfer portal. I'll run through them quick. We have the Toledo legend, Marion Jackson. We have the sophomore coming out of Ball State and Jeron Coleman, who had a fantastic second year development season with um, Jeron Coleman or with Ball State and Jeron Coleman. We had Mike Nuga, the. the uh, leader of Kent State, one of him and Danny Pippen, really that one two combo coming out of Kent State. And then we have the four year um, guy out of Muncie as well, Ishmael Alameen, all put their names in the transfer portal. Sad to see, but again, it doesn't mean they're leaving. I think these four year guys like Ish and Marion Jackson are more likely to leave than I would say Mike Nuga or Jeron Coleman, but that's that's just my perspective on things.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, it's it's crazy, though, to see it. I mean, and, and the, I think the one thing that I still need to condition myself to remember, and most fans are probably going to be the same way, is that just because a guy enters his name into the transfer portal does not mean for certain that he's going to transfer, right? I think it used to be before the transfer portal was initiated, it used to be where if a guy announced he was transferring, like he was gone, like the decision was made. Now it's more of an exploratory thing where you see you guys want to, you know, if, you know, say a coach gets fired or a guy will enter in the portal and just say, I just want to keep my options open. And a lot of times those options will include staying at their current school. We saw Justin Turner do that last year with Bowling Green. With these guys here, I, I know, especially if you look at, you know, a guy like Jeron Coleman, who uh has was just finished his sophomore year for Ball State. I know Cardinals fans would be it would be really tough to lose him if you're a Ball State fan. With some of these other guys though with Marion Jackson and Ishal Amin, these guys that were seniors that are granted an extra year of eligibility from the NCAA, I don't think anybody's too surprised when when guys like that are entering in the transfer portal. I know Marion Jackson even came out the other day and just said, you know, I feel like I've proven everything I can. I, I, everything I can at this level, I want to see what I can do in a Power Five conference. So he wants to up his stock a little bit in the hopes that you know that can get him a professional contract next year. Which I don't think anyone's gonna you know um, you know be mad at him for that. Probably the same thing for Mike Nuga and, and um, Ish Amin as well. But regardless, you know I think it's important to keep in mind. It doesn't mean that for sure these guys are gonna leave. But uh, I don't know. We'll have to see how this plays out over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I think with Ishmael al I, th- I think as sad it was be to see him gone. I think the writing's on the wall. He tried last season, ultimately returned. But I think when you have interest from, I think it was a couple power, couple division one schools, such as like a Minnesota, the calibers of those. I think the likelihood that you keep the, the dominant scorer like him is gone. You mentioned him writing his post. Um, that he wants to test his um, ability at the, the power five level. And I, and Zach, I think the key for, for the transfer portal is looking at what they put in their message. If it's just to keep their options open, then it's more like 50-50 whether they leave. But if you, like you said, if they put in writing like, I want to take my talents and see if what I can do at a power five level, or I'm looking forward to my next chapter away from the school, then I think it's more likely not that they're leaving. I, I know I, I've just seen that on a couple of posts. And I think I think the writing in which they put on their posts to social media is kind of key to where their mind's at.
1: I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I guess kind of reading between the lines, if, if you want to put it that way. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how these next couple of weeks play out. I think I saw something the other day on Twitter that there's like, it was like, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was like over 1100 players that had entered the portal or something like some absurd number of players that were in the portal. I, I could be wrong on that number, but it was a very high number, higher than it's ever been. And so I think that the, the, the player movement, we're going to see this off season in college basketball is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. I think.
0: Yeah. I, I, th- I think with college basketball is just a few years behind college football and at how college football, you saw this immediate rush in the transfer portal, and you'll continue to see that happen. I think basketball is just slowly catching up. I think women's basketball is catching up, especially we saw um, Ashlyn Brown and Michaela Kelly for women's basketball enter the transfer portal. Two big names um, coming from the women's side, I think. So I think basketball is slowly catching up. And I think like we've seen this offseason with a bunch of four stars um, for on the football side, I think. We could see some big names coming in the MAC that we haven't seen before. Some four-star guys who tried one year at a program and, um, and decided to take their talents to the MAC. But Zach, uh, one person uh, fans don't have to worry about, especially um, Bowling Green fans, is Daquan Plowden announced that he will turn to Bowling Green for his um, extra year of eligibility.
1: Yeah, yeah. certainly uh, not something that we've seen a ton of here this offseason is one of these seniors using his extra year of eligibility to stay at the same school. Daquan Plowden announced on uh, what was that on Sunday that he's going to be coming back for two Bowling Green for his extra year 2 time all Mac forward. He was their second leading scorer this year, 1100 points and 720 rebounds uh, over his career at Bowling Green. So certainly a huge piece coming back for the Falcons next year. It's going to be tough to lose Justin Turner, but uh, to having Daquan Plowden come back next year softens that blow a little bit. And if they want to get to where they want to be, which is back in the NCAA tournament, he's going to have to lead the way for them next year.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I love watching Daquan Plowden play, really. He's an excellent scorer an excellent rebounder. He's just a do-it-all guy for Bowling Green. He's going to be a solid key piece for Bowling Green if they are, too. I, I, I think this year was a, a disappointing year for Bowling Green. I think the way they finished, the regular season was positive, but their overall record wasn't – Bowling Green shouldn't have been sixth. Like, Buff- Buffalo was in the right place. Toledo was in the right place. I would argue Akron was even in the right sort of range. I will say Bowling Green, they should have been a top-four team. As reflected, I think what Justin Turner got first-team all-Mac, like, he, yeah. he, he should have, like, no, no doubt – I think Bowling Green should have been a top four. They fell to six. I think I think they should have got it done against Akron and proved people wrong. They couldn't get done. They lost to Stetson in the CBI. Yeah. <laughs> without, yeah. without Justin Turner, yes, but it was just a disappointing game all around. Anyway, the point is Daquan Plotten going to need a step up for Bowling Green. Kane Matheny is going to need a step up for Bowling Green. They just need to figure out who's going to be that, that Justin Turner guy, like I said about um, Akron moving forward, because you're going to have a 2,000-point void, essentially, and you got to figure out who's going to step up and fill that, because they uh, – Zach, I don't know about you, but these past few seasons I've watched, it was the Justin Turner show. It was him yeah. averaging 20 points a night.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, honestly, I think – Justin Turner graduating and not being there next year will will probably benefit the team from not, not from an overall perspective, but from like a balanced perspective on offense. I think it'll give Daquan Plowden some some more room to breathe and, and to create for his himself. And uh, you know, if Cade Matheny and, you know, and Trey Diggs and some of those other guys are, are, stick around and are able to space the floor a little bit. I think you you could see a little bit more balance from their offense last year. That, that's not me suggesting that they'll be better off without Justin Turner. I'm not saying that at all. I realize that would be an absurd statement. But I think for Daquan Plowden specifically, I think that'll lead to some increased usage for him. And you could see his his stats take a big jump next year. You'd like to see them be a little bit more balanced on offense, though I agree with you completely.
0: And um, one final thing on Bowling Green. Um, I, I, I watched the run that Oral Roberts – had and it just makes me emphasize the need to run through Caden Matheny 10 times more yeah three point shooters is 10 times more valuable than I I'm gonna say than whatever Justin Turner did I'm sorry it's the case and if you can combine that with the nice element if Daquan Pound can start shooting outside shots you develop outside shooters around the Bowling Green is going be, gonna to be dangerous. And if Caden Matheny can average 15 points a game, I think he probably averaged um, close to double digits, I think like nine a game. If he can get that up to 15, really change the offense, make the offense flow through him in the three-point shot. Yeah. Bowling Green, I think, is easy, again, a top four top four team, but that's only if they can find a nice wing player in surrounding pieces. They already have one or two, really, Caden Matheny and Daquan Platton, surround those guys I think Caleb Fields is he returning next year I'm not I'm not 100%
1: sure on that uh, I don't know off the top of my head either that's a good question but re- regardless I think either way I think your your point still stands your point is well taken that um, I think if you're Coach Huger there at, at Bowling Green that offense is gonna to have to look different next year. There, you're gonna to have to, you're gonna to have to change things a little bit on offense and with, with your shot selections and and some of the sets you're running to get some of those guys involved, to get Caden Matheny open looks and to, you know, that'll open things up for some of those other guys. So we'll see. But I think uh Coach Huger's job for next year just got a little bit easier knowing that uh Plouton's coming back.
0: I agree. And uh, Zach, before you wrap up this episode, is there any uh final thoughts on this um wonderful March
1: 31st? I think I'm good, man. I think I can't believe the March Madness is almost over. I can't believe it's already April. Basically uh, this year seems to be flying by. So um, pretty soon here, we're going to be talking about, you know, f- you know, season previews for football. So uh, just looking forward to these next couple weeks of uh, the wrapping up March Madness and uh, moving forward, looking forward to digging in this deeper a little bit to some of these spring sports. Yeah, I agree.
0: It still seems like yesterday we were talking about the Mac championship and uh, the Arizona bowl and the Buffalo's bowl in which um, we were two and zero in the bowl games. Hey, undefeated. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't blame us in basketball. We got our, our um, job done. Ohio beat the defending national champions, 2019. That's uh, it. Top, one of the top Virginia or top, one of the top ACC teams. So Mac teams are flying high. Um, yeah. We'll <laughs> just have to see in the NFL draft what happened because yeah, a lot of MAC players are out. I know a couple of Bowling Green players, of course. I think there's like four Buffalo players, couple Ball State players here and there. It's gonna be a fun season. Keep it up with spring sports. We still got baseball left. Um, the end of volleyball season, soccer still going if they don't get more cancellations. Um, probably more basketball news as we get through the off season. But yeah, as you mentioned, season previews are right around the corner. It's gonna be fun talking about some off season previews because I think. I think this is – I don't want to jinx it, but kind of returning back to what we had in 2019. I, I think so. I think uh, what um, – it was Roger Goodell that said that he's expecting full stadiums.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good sign. Hopefully college football – hopefully we get to the place as a country where we can – you know, college football can call it, follow suit and, and, and we can uh, – you know, safely reopen to have fans back in the stands. I know I'm excited for it. I can't wait to the day when I can go back and watch a game in person. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Fingers crossed for the fall. We'll see. It'll be a lot more fun this year if there's fans there.
0: I'm there with you. But with that being said, this episode is going to be wrapping up. Um, First of all, um, thank you. If you're still listening, um, still listening through the off season, Um, let us know what you want us to do really moving forward with off-season content, uh, DM us. um, Let us know if you want to see interviews, polls. um, I can, I can, uh, we can uh, brainstorm another bracket idea. We just wanted to know what to do with this podcast moving forward. Now that we kind of have a um, spring sports, yes, but we also want to do more interactive, more fun things with you guys. So, let us yeah. know. And this could even carry over into football and basketball season. We just want to know what you guys want to listen to because we're always trying to grow the fan base, even though it doesn't seem like it. We're always trying to grow, grow the listeners. So if you have any suggestions at all, just DM, DM us on Twitter. Uh, our DMs are always open. So um, be sure to, as the, as the young hip kids say, slide in those DMs. So um, yeah, that'll be it for this episode of the Mid-American Bay podcast. Just hit us up on Twitter at mac underscore bandwagon episode 39 this is it we'll talk to you guys next friday